0: Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. This is our text. This is where we've been coming from, and we're going to continue to go there, so I'm going to pull this passage up every single time until I feel like we've landed this plane well. Matthew 4, 19, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. and at the top of the year, I'll be very brief here, I began to pray about the next 10 years of our church. The scripture rolled up in my heart, And I landed on these three words, that we would follow, grow, and go. Our job for you as leaders of this house is to call people to follow Jesus. We're gonna invite you to do that. But then we're all supposed to grow up. We may be at different places, but we're supposed to grow up. You're supposed to be maturing. You're supposed to be changing. You shouldn't be the same person next year that you were last year. You're to be growing in him. And then the final is we wanna teach you how to go. We want to teach you how to repeat the cycle. We should be witnessing. We should be bringing life. But this is the problem it does. It creates a question mark. And at present it seems, this is my opinion, that everyone has opinions on what it means to be a Christian. Everybody's got opinions on it. You're probably sitting next to someone. You can say, what does it mean to be a Christian? And that person will give you a distinctly different answer. If you deep dive it to what it means to be a Christian, Uh, maybe in the 1970s, it was a little more apropos. We all kind of landed the plane at the same place. But in 2023, the opinions are so varied, you even wonder if Christianity is even valid anymore. It's just like a free for all. Uh, Whatever you want to believe believe it and then we just lie to you and go don't worry Just know that Jesus loves you. Just do you but that's a lie. It does matter Jesus is trying to make us into something. He's not just saying hey you do you I'll love you and keep you from hell He's trying to pull you into his image He's trying to do something in your life that makes the father proud And that's what he's attempting to accomplish. That's what he's trying to do. But then we humans get in and we give you all these opinions of what it should be. I'm not saying that our opinions are right or wrong. I'm just saying you wonder sometimes, is it worth selling my soul getting out of bed to go hear somebody's opinions? And likely would would be no if you've had a bad week. But this is what Paul will say. Just so you know it's not new. This is not a new thing. It's not like 2023, it suddenly changed. This is what he says, Paul in 1 Corinthians. When one of you says, I follow Paul, I'm a follower of Paul. And another says, I follow Apollos. And then this phrase stings. Aren't you just acting like mere people of the world? So this is nothing new. What does it mean to be a Christian and... Can I, you know, I mean, right now the big buzz in the Christian world is the LGBTQ thing. Because we're all debating on can you be gay and be a Christian and can you, but the reality of that is, well, can you, can you gossip and be a Christian? Can, can you overeat and be a Christian? Can you cheat on your taxes and be a Christian? Can you look at porn and be a Christian? Can you be a jerk on 285 and be a Christian? So let's don't get too religious. You know, it's easy to go, well, those gay people, but come on, fat people, mean people, gossiping people, angry people, unforgiving people. Let's just all lump ourselves there and ask, can any of us be a Christian and act this way? And if we're not careful, we'll say, yeah, Jesus loves us all. But then what that does is it removes any expectation that I'm to be holy, that I'm to be godly. Do I get my feelings hurt? Yes. Do things bother me? Yes. Do I sometimes get fleshly? Yes. Sometimes do I do the wrong thing? Yes. But I don't just give myself a free pass and go, well, Jesus just loves me and I've got the bumper that, sticker that says, be patient, he's not done with me yet. Well, oh, my God, you've had that on your car for 20 years. <laughs> Take that sticker off your car and put, I'm not changing no matter what you think right be patient he's not done with me you need to sell that shirt you've had it too long here's the question after 2000 years i don't know if you even care to ask the questions i'm just one of those dudes that i just am obsessed to ask the question because this is what i love doing i love talking about him i love being part of his family but after 2000 years of christianity And I don't know if you've ever thought this. Are we even following him? Like I've asked that self of me, myself, not every other church I don't go. But for me, my personal life, the way I lead my family, the way I love Robin, uh, I have to ask myself, is is this his plan? Am I being the kind of husband God wants me to be? Am I being the kind of father Jesus desires me to be? Am I leading this house the way he wants me to be? Because I guess I could do it just pretty easily. There's websites I can log on to and download a sermon. I don't even have to pray. I can just download a sermon and come regurgitate it back. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying you could still grow from it because it's true, it, it, it can be inspiring. But, but what I've tried to tell myself is if I'm gonna stand up here weekly, then you better know somewhere in my week I've sat down and I've said, oh my God, please tell me where you want this church to go. What do you want out of us, God? I, I want to stand before you at one day, and I believe I will have to do this. I'll stand before him and he'll say, you're going to give an account of everything you told my people. That's what the Bible says that those of us that teach the Bible are judged more strictly. I I do know that. At least I believe that. I believe one day I'll stand in front of God and he'll say, all right, we're going to talk about everything you led my people to do. And then I've got to just give an answer. And so I I try to stand here and not take that lightly. I I try to not just throw. I know sometimes I use humor. It's intentional because I'm just that way. And sometimes a little bit of. Sometimes a little bit of sugar can make a bitter coffee taste better, right? So so i just throw the sugar to you. Um, But I I do ask, are we really following him? And I want to do that. I want to be a man or anybody that stands here to teach you that we've we've thought about it. And, And whether I know all of you by name, I try. But whether I do, I have genuinely stopped and said, God, what do you want for all of us? like as we go together in this thing. So I thought, well, if my question is, are, are we following the plan of Jesus, then why not just go to what Jesus says and see what he thinks? Like if I, if I can go, well, are we following man or Jesus? Well, I say either go to a website and figure out what that man's plan is or go to the Bible and figure out what Jesus' plan is. Hopefully, they're congruent, but I just said, well, instead of me talking about follow, grow, go, let me just go to the Bible and see what this God-human person that we call our Lord and our master, what does he say? We pick up, if you want to read the whole story, I would encourage you to do so. It, It follows well in Luke chapter 14. If you want to open your Bible there, you can. Luke chapter 14. Now, in this teaching, Jesus says a large crowd was following him. Pretty simple. That's an easy picture in my head. Big old crowd following Jesus, not much to it. But I love what it says. He turned around. So get a picture in your mind. If a large crowd is following you, which is great, it assumes you're a leader. But then he stops in some way and he turns around And it tells me something that when he turned around He was the one in charge, he's the one knowing where he's going, he's the one that knows what the plan is, and he turns around and speaks to them, meaning that if you're following me, it's my direction, it's my agenda, it's my purpose, it's my will, and I really don't even care about your opinions, because I'm just going to turn around and I'm about to drop some truth to you that is going to hurt your feelings. Because when he turns around what you're about to read is he doesn't say hey, are y'all's feet hurting? Anybody anybody in here tired? Anybody in here just needs some water anybody need a pee break? I mean that's the Jesus we present to people today. I'm not saying he doesn't care about you He doesn't care about your feelings. That's not my point. My point is those feelings are way down his list Way down his list. Because when he turns around and he looks at him, so get a picture. He's, I'm assuming, walking down a road and then he just stops. I don't know how how much large would be. Uh, I would say this is large, kind of. Uh, So 200 people. He stops. He turns around. He's staring at him, And you know that they're like, oh, he's going to say something. I don't know if Matthew's got a pen ready to go. I don't know if they're thinking maybe we're gonna get that fish bread thing. Maybe he's gonna work some magic. But I I know that they're intrigued because that's why they're following. What's he gonna do next? Because you don't follow somebody with no expectation. The reason you're following them is you're hoping for something. They're either gonna give me some money, they're gonna fix my car. I don't know. But that's why I follow them. That's why I follow people on Instagram. I'm hoping Jordan Peterson drops a little bit of knowledge. I'm hoping Joe Rogan opens my eyes a little more. That's the people I follow because when I listen to them, I'm hoping to get something out of them. So we do know that. We'll watch what happens. Jesus, if you want to be my disciple, So immediately he flips it because he goes from follower to disciple He's he understands people follow him He knows that but he's gonna take them a step deeper and he's gonna call a word if you want to be my disciple Wait a minute the verse prior said followers He's okay with that. He's okay if you want to just sit on the bus and try to go somewhere But he's going to identify that there's a big difference between those that walk with me and those that are my disciple and then and then here in the red you must This is how he starts it out. You must by comparison hate everyone else. That doesn't even sound like the Jesus of today. The Jesus of today is love everybody. And this Jesus is like, "Oh yeah, if you're going to follow me, you got to hate everybody." in comparison to where I'm going and the world within which you live, if by comparison they mean more to you than I do, if their opinions mean more, if their way means more, if their agenda means more, if their purpose means more, if the money means more, if the retirement means more, know this, you will never be my disciple. Your father and your mother, meaning the people that raised you, the way you were raised to live life, if what he thinks is not more important than how your mother and father raised you. My dad is 86 and he grew up, in, born in 1936, and he grew up in Alabama. And in Alabama, in the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s, black people stayed over there, white people stayed over there, and you never crossed paths. It was very distinct go study at the civil rights movement There was the black water fountain and the black restroom and the black bus stop and the black graveyard and the black ch- Church and then all the white people over here. And even if you went to the movies the black people sat up there It's the way he was raised it's the way mother and father taught him whether it was right or wrong he just grew up, this, and he, I even asked him one time, I said, did you ever know anything about racism? He said, no, it's just how it was. He said, as a kid, I never questioned it. He said, we had black neighbors across the street and I played with them, but you just knew that they rode their bus and we rode ours and they went to our school and we went to ours. I never questioned it as a little kid because it's what mother and father raised them to be, which is what their mother and father raised them to be right or wrong and then one day he gets born again in the 1963 he gives his heart to jesus he he, his own testimony is he remembers watching martin luther king jr on tv anybody remember those days and he said to himself i don't know why they're so upset Why would a white guy be looking at a black race? go? I don't know why they're upset. I mean, it's America Because the way his mother and father had taught him the way society taught him the way the thinking of the world Taught him is you black people. You shouldn't be upset. You should just appreciate it Maybe they thought you were different. Maybe they thought you were a different breed or a different race or whatever But he gets born again. Come on somebody He gets born again and of his own self, he didn't read a book. He didn't have somebody stand up and go, Gene, there's racist tendencies in you. His own testimony, he gave his heart to Jesus and he remembers distinctly God speaking to his heart and says, You cannot be a Christian and hate your brother. And he immediately knew what God was talking about. And he asked God to forgive him. Why? Because you must, by comparison, everything you've been told, every way you've been raised, everything your parents downloaded to you, every way you were treated as a kid, what your wife thinks of you, how you sell your soul to your children and they become your God. You give every dime to them, every moment to them. You wake up, you breathe, you fast over them and pray over them but you don't even give a dime of your time to me. Yet you will die for your children. Well, if, if, if you feel that way about them, but you don't feel that way about me, you're not a disciple, you're a follower, but you don't care about me. Oh, it sounds like he's narcissistic, but he's teaching us something. He's teaching us that yes, you'll be raised and maybe told things that aren't even remotely true So if you come to him be willing to die to it You may marry somebody that doesn't want to go where God wants you to go Then don't go to the altar with them If they don't want to go where God wants to go, don't go to the altar with them He even tells you don't marry somebody that doesn't want to go where I want to go It'll be a rough road And then children, oh my lord, I got four of them Parents will die for their kids, give their soul, hopefully, give their soul for their kids. Hopefully we leave everything we've worked to them, call it a will. But he says, Mark, you're going to give every bit of waking energy to them and not even care how I'm trying to lead you. And then brothers and sisters, I'm good with them, just get rid of them. I got, <laughs> I got beat up by him anyway, if he's listening, he beat me up. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, he's a good brother now, though. So it appears there is a vast difference between one who follows and one who's a disciple. Let's just start there. I've met the followers, but there's a vast difference between that and a disciple. Because you meet a disciple and there's just something about Jesus is out front. Oh, I had a terrible day, but Jesus. Oh, I just wanted to just throat punch my husband, but Jesus, I just thought I I was going to take my own kids out and give them away, but Jesus, I don't know if you've ever said this, you've had such a bad day that you said to yourself, they better be glad I'm saved. (laughs) Anybody ever said that but me? I'm not trying to be all holy up here, but has anybody ever said they better be glad I'm saved? I said that to somebody the other day. I said they just need to be glad I'm saved because if I wasn't, I could wear somebody out. I could just, oh man, I could go, my mother calls it Sammy June. She goes, people just need to be glad I've got the Holy Ghost because when I didn't, Sammy June would just come out. What she meant was that old woman that sits right there can wear you out. She can out-argue you under the bus. But the Holy Ghost. <laughs> he'll, if you're married, he'll save you an argument. Hush your mouth, Mark. Don't say that. I'm going to say it, Mark. Don't say it. Oh, I'm going to. She needs to hear it. Son, I'm trying to save you about a week on the couch. <laughs> With the dog. <laughs> With the dog. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I don't want the dog on the couch. <laughs> I saw something yesterday. Robin and I went to Marietta to do coffee. And there was a rug that it says, uh, come on in. Just, what did it say? Just ignore the dog hairs everywhere. So it's a nice little rug. No, I don't want to live that way. But, <laughs> but I'm going to take you somewhere today because I'm going to ask a hard question How do you know if you're following or if you're a disciple? So Jesus, continuing in Luke 14, does something that doesn't sound very preachery. He says in verse 28, talking about following, talking about being a disciple, he says, don't begin. Wait a minute. I thought the way we got you in is we scared you. You're gonna to go to hell. Get in now Get in now get in now hurry up come to this altar give your heart to Lord because if you don't you could die today and burn in hell But he says oh wait a minute. Hey, I'm gonna tell you something today, but nobody needs to start yet Don't begin until you count the cost. I Don't want people running to me that are scared of hell. And you've never thought about the decision you're going to make. Because if you run to me scared of hell, you won't stay in it. You'll become lazy. You'll become religious. You'll sleep in. You'll become carnal because somebody brought you to me because you did not want to burn in a lake of fire. But you never counted the cost of being my disciple. You got in emotionally. And from the time you got in, you've lived an emotional life with me. You pout, you cry, you whine, you're lazy, you're mad, you're bitter, you have unforgiveness, but you label yourself a follower. You're not, you may be following, but you're not my disciple, Mark, because you never counted the real cost. Now that makes me think, if the guy, the Lord, the God that we call Jesus, tells me don't even start till you figure this thing out. He must be wanting us to know why we're in it to begin with and what that means. Because down at the very bottom, he said, You need to make sure you've got enough to finish this thing. Now, think about how many people you know that start well. How many times have you said, I'm losing weight this year? You started well. But you you didn't count the cost. You counted the pounds. You looked down and thought, you counted how tight the pants were. You counted your blood pressure. You didn't count the real cost. You didn't count. There would be moments you would have to say no to yourself and die to yourself. And moments you'd have to say, I can't do the pizza today. Moments you'd have to drive by DQ and just rebuke it. I rebuke that. Because you, you, you weren't able to finish it. How many people go to school, but drop out? How many people start a marriage, but tap out because it got too hard? How many things have you started that you've quit and the list is just a mile long? Things I started, but never finished. A book, a gym, a whatever, just laying it down, but never never came to finish this thing. And Jesus lets me know if you want to be my disciple, there's a finish line. How am I going to get there? This is what he goes on to say. If you don't count the cost, you might lay a foundation and then run out of money. And then this, everybody's going to laugh at you. In other words, Jesus knows that people are watching you. Jesus knows that if you call yourself a Christian, that eyes are on you. And they're evaluating whether or not your faith is genuine or not. And if every time something goes wrong, you're you're displaying a follower rather than a disciple, they're like, what is it? It's no use in doing that. You're no different than me. You lose your temper just like I do. You're ticked at your spouse just like I am. You're mad at everybody. You hold unforgiveness. So what's the big deal? So Jesus understands that the world is watching us. And he goes on in verse 30 of Luke 14, and they would say there's a person who started... The building, but couldn't afford to finish it. So there is an expectation from Jesus on you that if you claim to follow him, he has an expectation that there's going to be a cost to it. I'm not talking about the cost he paid. That was free. The blood he shed, free. But when you step into the equation, there's something he demands out of us. And so this is the question. Then what cost should I count? I guess it goes to who raised you. What did your parents tell you? What did your last pastor tell you? What do preachers and leaders and theologians tell us? But what cost do I have to count right now to be a follower, a disciple? Because there's a lot of people that believe things but never do anything about it. I'll go back to the civil rights movement. I love that historical side of our country where we start moving past the way things were, and I'll be very brief here, it's not my point, but it's to make you think, Rosa Parks, bus decides, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm right here. She was willing to count a cost. Most people don't want to count the cost, they want the status quo to be easy. Right, but never say, no, I'm not doing this anymore. There's a lot of marriages that are hurting, but they don't want to count the cost. They just want it to be easy. They don't want to have to drive, put money to it. They don't want to have to go to counseling. They don't don't want to have to invest because I don't want to count the cost. Here's the cost of being a disciple, and then I'm going to teach you in the next few minutes how to do this. If you want to know the difference between a follower and a disciple, it's a willingness to die to yourself. Now, come on. Self is a war. A literal, all-out Vietnam Gulf War. Any, Any war you want to pick, it is a war. I've been saved since I was five. I don't know if that counted, but I remember saying, I don't want to go to hell, and I confessed Jesus at five. I Remember that I remember the church I was at when I went up and raised my little hand when they said Do you want Jesus and I walked to the front dad knelt down with me and I prayed this prayer Jesus come into my heart and everybody clapped that I wasn't going to hell anymore I was glad I didn't want to go to hell. That sounded terrible but I've noticed that I, I keep showing up in my own equation like, I do believe that Jesus lives in me. I believe I am his kid. But it is amazing how much I want to get in the driver's seat. So much so that in the 80s, I sold you a bumper sticker that said, Jesus is my co-pilot. And I'm, I was like, what? He's your co-pilot? No, 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 no. The father is the pilot The son is the co-pilot the Holy Spirit is the navigator Your leaders are the stewardesses your hind end is on the back row by the toilet That's where you are that's where I'm at take that bumper sticker off and say I'm just thankful I got on the plane to die to yourself is not easy because it's not saying you're going to, we're going to bear it. Once you're dead, it's good. You don't, you don't have a problem with anybody anymore. <laughs> this alludes that you're still living. You're a dead living person. And sometimes I think I'm doing great. I'm like, I got this. And then other times I'm, like, Oh gosh, I should be so much further along. <sighs> Well, sometimes that makes me feel good and bad at the same time. It makes me feel good that I'm irritated by it. Because if I'm not irritated by it, then I don't care what the Holy Spirit thinks. So I do feel good that I still get irritated when I feel like I'm not doing well. I'm still bothered, and that that makes me know that the Spirit's down here bothering me. I like that. Now, what I do with that is distinctly different. Shut up, Holy Ghost. I'm about to, or you're right. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay, but I still just where's my phone? I still just want to text them. No. Nope. Oh, you're right. Oh, but they better be glad I'm not about to. No, nope, you're right. Oh, they better hope I don't see them. Oh, no, nope, you're right. Oh, I'm thinking things right now. No, you're right. I mean that battle that just. Well, I am going to do my best. Not saying I'm right but I'm going to put it to you because I feel like it is a biblical truth that will help you. How, in God's name, do we die to ourself? How? I know people that have known him 40 years that still struggle with self. And I'll help you the best I can. You ain't going nowhere till we bury you. So you better learn how to deal with you while you're alive. Rather than waiting to die to go to heaven, live in such a way that heaven comes to earth. I'll teach you how I've learned to die to myself. Let's jump into it. Here's what Jesus will say. Luke 14, continuing the chapter. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. That is profound. This is what Paul will say. My old self has been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ that lives in me. So they're teaching us that you got to die to yourself. It's not, just, it's not just come to me and then I'll, I'll meet all your needs. It's no, when you come, die to yourself. And a lot of us come to him like he's a banker, I need money, a lawyer, help my marriage, a a counselor, I'm just in this funk. That's okay, he's all of those things, but when I come to him, I must come to him dying to me, asking the right questions. So what I have learned is that death to self is not that self is no longer bothered by things, it's that I begin to ask the right questions. So if you want to know whether you're dead to yourself or not, follow what questions you ask. Here's the first one. How do I die to myself? Well, it depends on how you're raised it depends on what denomination you're in die to yourself You should fast if you're not fasting you need to be fasting at least once a week You need to pray you need to go to deliverance. You need to have a sozo You need to just put down them cigarettes, honey Them cancer sick. you just need to quit. You need to stop watching TV You need to get rid of that rock and roll music. You need to get in the word. All you need is in the word Just get in the word It doesn't matter who you ask Just depending on where they're coming from everybody's going to have an opinion of how to die to yourself Well, you just need to get out of bed and come to church Well, you just need to start tithing Well, you need to be baptized in the holy ghost and speak in tongues So then it just becomes so combobulated. What does it even mean? And am I dying to myself because i've checked all those boxes and i'm still falling apart So I hope to help you today Jesus Luke 14 still Verse 34 he's ending the discussion Salt is good for seasoning Come on somebody Unless you live now and they tell you're getting high blood pressure because of it But that's the medical field not Jesus There's some good wisdom there for you Go study it you'll thank me later But if it loses its flavor How do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor the manure pile. Now he's so kind that he's talking about you but calling you something else. (laughs) He's just a good God. Because what he's really saying is, you people act like you care, but none of you are worth me even throwing to the doo-doo. He's just God and he has wisdom he knows if he says it that plainly You'll leave him alone. He likes you to ponder, but when he says flavorless salt that's you and me When he says you're not good for anything that's you and me you're not even fit for the manure pile. That's you and me I don't like this Jesus I like that Jesus says, it doesn't matter what you do. Come here, little buddy. You're just so weak. I don't even care what you do. I like that Jesus. Come here, you little drunk, addicted, little pouty. Oh, little daddy God loves you. Just call me daddy God, daddy God. I'm okay with that. It feels good. But my God, somewhere a father needs to stand up and go, get your little hind end out of bed because you're fucking calculus and you're not going to go out. Hand me your phone. (laughs) Flavorless salt. But then he tells me what a real disciple is because he doesn't just wear them out and leave them no hope. He says this, anyone with ears. That's every one of them. Unless by some medical chance, there's an earless person and they're like, Hey, what about Bobby? He ain't got no ears. <laughs> oh You people I'm just gonna assume everybody there had an ear If you've got ears, you need to listen and hear and, uh, and then understand Now he tells me if you want to know what a disciple is, this is what I've come up with It's someone who yearns to hear his voice yeah. It is a challenge to start here because you think Moses read his Bible? Noah didn't read the Bible. He didn't have a Bible. Adam didn't have a Bible. Eve didn't have a Bible. Abraham didn't have a Bible. They heard the voice of God Almighty and it changed their life. They heard his voice. And we live in a generation that God doesn't speak to people. God just never speaks to people. How do you think we got here? He spoke to Mary. He spoke to Joseph before they killed him. He spoke to everybody in the Old Testament. How do you think the prophets heard him? How do you think King David got anointed because he told Samuel? God has a voice. He's a speaking God. And yet so many people don't know how to stop and hear him. You don't even know what he sounds like. What does God sound like? You mean you can hear him? You mean God talks to you? Yes, yes, and yes. 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 God talks to us. Oh, now you've gone off the rails, preacher, because the only way he talks is the Bible. Okay, I'm not denying that. I'm not saying he doesn't only talk through the Bible, but I'm saying there was a moment in time where I was sitting at a red light, and I did not have a Bible, and Jesus said, you are going to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and go to Oral Roberts University. And I heard something within my soul, and I said, I'm going to Tulsa, Oklahoma to go to grad school. Why? Because I heard something on the inside of me that said, go to Tulsa, Oklahoma and go to grad school. So I called them and I said, Hey, I want to enroll in grad school. Well, we're sorry, Mr. Evans. Uh, we've already closed all the registration. You can't get in. Uh, you can come next semester, which would be January. I said, no, I I really want to be there. Well, Mr. Evans, we can't help you. Thank you, Mark for calling. Hey, you're welcome. Click. I hung the phone. Literally. Hung the phone up. It went click. That's back in the old days. Remember those click some of you're like, what do you mean? Click. I meant I was on the wall and I had to go click (laughs) You got to be old because we what what, 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 what she mean what she mean click (laughs) Meaning I hung up on them in a in a visible way. I hung it up and I heard a voice I told you, this is exactly what I heard. I told you to go to Oral Roberts University. And you're to be there in two weeks. I called back to the registrar. I said, hey, it was the same lady. Hey, it's me again. She said, well, hey. I said, look, this is going to sound dumb. I literally said that. You're going to think I'm crazy. She said, well, what is it? I said, I hung the phone up. And I heard God tell me, I'm supposed to be there in two weeks, so I don't know what has to happen. But I got to obey God and be there in two weeks. She said, well, hang on, honey. She came back to me. She said, well, this is funny. I talked to the head of registrar, and we've never done this for anybody before. We're going to overnight you the packet. Never done it for anybody before? I don't know if she was lying or not. But here's what I know, two weeks later, I'm enrolled at Oral Roberts University. I was supposed to be there on Monday, but because I was on a mission trip, I didn't get there on Tuesday. But because I got there on Tuesday, I ended up meeting the head of registrar who took me to the front of every line, became a dear friend to me, invited me to go to church. The church he invited me to hired me, and because I'm at Oral Roberts hearing his voice at a red light, I meet the most precious little wonderful person on the back row back there. Who said yes to me and married me and because I heard his voice, you got to listen to one of my kids play a piano today Because out of hearing his voice comes great benefit Great benefit But it's gonna cost you something You're gonna have to look stupid You're gonna have to pick the phone up and go, oh no, no, that's not what God told me You're going to have to be willing to drive 900 miles. You're going to have to be willing to wave goodbye to some people. You're going to have to be willing to have no money, no job, no nothing. I just know what God told me. You're sitting in a building today. Not because I'm something special. It's because I'm walking down the streets of New York and I hear, show me your plans and watch what I will do. And we're sitting in a building today because I came home and told the elders God said show him a plan and we could watch what he would do I'm gonna go ahead and throw this out there. You're gonna watch this year because our Heavenly Father's gonna pay this thing off I Don't know how But he told me just watch what I do Now most people are following and not disciples because the moment a crisis hits they don't hear his voice they Google They call a friend They call their buddies. They go in a closet and pout. But if you want to know whether or not you're a disciple or a follower, just ask yourself, how long does it take before you stop and go, God, I need to hear you. I need to know what you think. I can sit there and Google all day long how to raise four children, how to live with all women. God, I need to hear you. I need to hear you. And God's like, I can't help you. Robin and I aren't successful parents because we have some golden ticket to be parents. We're good parents because we were desperate to hear his voice. We didn't just have a list of rules and every kid obeys every rule. With every kid that came along, I want to hear his voice. I want you to tell me how to speak to Olivia because she's totally different than Sophia. And God, I just need you to talk to me about Sophia. God, you see her. I don't see her. Tell me how to respond to her. Tell me how to interact with her. And the Holy Ghost downloads to me. And then along comes Lucy, who never got in trouble. Lucy never got a spanking. My first kid, you would thought, was kin to Lucifer. Always in trouble. Always defiant with a strong will. I'm not saying she was a devil. She just had a strong will. Like, don't you go through that door. I'm telling you, don't you go through that door. If you go through that door, you're going to get a spank. Now this is the top of the door and literally she's three and she looks at the top of the door with her mother saying, don't you go through that door. And she literally, this is kid one, puts her foot through the threshold that's not my kid that's her kid that kid is not kin to me <laughs> not that one but along comes number three along comes now number two oh weird number two wanted everything tight she would cry if her shoes weren't tight enough I need my shoes tighter I'm like my god your feet are gonna fall off And then I would be so frustrated, you're just going to have to go in there with her. I can't handle it. She's crying that her shoes aren't tight enough. I literally pulled so tight, it's going to just, her feet are going to rot. I need my belt tighter. Literally, we would pull her belt so tight, there's no way her kidneys could work. And she would go out the door, and I'm thinking her legs are going to fall off. Her feet will fall off. How do you parent this kid? Anybody ever felt that way? Then along comes number three. It's like God says, I feel sorry for him. (laughs) I'm going to give him a kid that is just easy. I don't think Victoria Kate ever even got a spanking. I'm like, now this kid is from heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody ever thought, it's not like you love one more than the other, but you are grateful for a little reprieve. (laughs) But with every one of them, mamas had to go in the bathroom and in the closet and in the prayer time. Is like, God, I want to hear you. Yes. I want to hear you. I want to hear you. God, I want to hear you. Just so close your eyes. Do you want to hear him today? Yes. Or is, or is it your feelings? Your, your anxiety is louder than his voice. Your frustrations are louder than his voice. Your upbringing is louder than his voice. Your religion is louder than his voice. You read your Bible, but you don't listen. Your worship music is louder than his voice because you know every lyric, but you don't listen. He says, Listen and understand. I feel like his heart breaks for us as his kids because we are we do it well we we say the prayers and the mantras we give the money we tithe we speak in tongues we we do all the things we Christians do but he says but do you do you hear me Can you hear my voice resonate past the pain? Can you hear my voice resonate past the racism? Can you hear my voice resonate past the bitterness? Can you hear my voice resonate past the divorce and the hurt? Can you hear my voice resonate past your midlife crisis? Can you hear my voice resonate past your fleshly, lustful intentions to reward yourself because you feel like you owe yourself something. Can you hear me? Oh man, I don't know who that's for, but my heart. (laughs) You're frustrated because you won't hear him. Your marriage is falling apart because you won't hear him. You lay in bed anxious. Scared because you won't hear him you look in the mirror and you hate yourself because you won't hear him You put yourself down you beat yourself up because you won't hear him. You're bitter at your friends because you won't hear him You despair to even be alive Because you won't hear him You can't even get out of bed you can't even witness because you haven't heard him You've never heard the voice You've never heard him talk to you. You've never, what does he sound like? Let's, let's don't even go that deep yet. Let's just go, do you yearn for him to talk to you? Do you yearn to shut your mouth and quit going, help me, help me, help me, to just stop and listen a minute. God, talk back to me. Tell me something. Resonate in my heart. And I could go religious and go open your Bible and read it. Yes, I'm good with that. I do too. But what about the people who don't even have a Bible? Are they hopeless? What about the people who don't have a Bible? What about the people who can't open up and read John 3? What about those people? Are they hopeless? Are they left to themselves just to die in despair? Or do we really believe that God is so big? Come on, we're all over TV. We, we believe that aliens are starting to show up and aliens are coming to talk to us and, and all of our stars and our musicians speak to us and the movies that move us. And, and then you say, oh, did y'all know God can talk to you? Oh, no, no. No. Yes. Yes. Oh god, I don't know who that's for. He just wants you to start with counting the cost. Would you dare listen to me? Would you hunger for my voice rather than your emotions? Would you care more about what I think rather than your feelings? I'm going to ask the band to come up and prepare your heart for worship. I want you to look at the TV while they come. This is your chance to examine yourself. Oh, I can't, I can't fix you. I can't preach you out of hell. I'm not here to scare you. I'm not here to threaten you. I'm just here to introduce a Jesus to you that wants you to count the cost. A Jesus that says, Would you start with step one? Would you just care about my voice? Care about what I think? Would you hear me? You're selfish mark would you listen to me you're googling every single day to find an answer but would you just listen to me for a minute I'll talk to you oh come on it may be at a red light it might be a commercial during the Super Bowl it might be walking to your car mowing the grass it might be in the middle of eating cereal but he's so big oh he'll show up and whisper something in your heart he'll whisper a voice Mark, go to Douglasville. God, I don't want to, but here I am 12 years later. I just know this about my father. When you hear his voice, it might cost a lot to take that first step. But he has a reward at the end that will blow your mind. It may cost you something. You might have to wave goodbye to racist tendencies. Wave goodbye to bitterness. Wave goodbye to friends that aren't good for you. Wave goodbye to habits and addictions that are killing you. Wave goodbye to things that you believed your whole life. But it's because I've heard His voice and I'm willing to say goodbye to all of that that I may follow His path.